Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to another episode of Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. Matthew Collar here along with Judd Zolgad. And Judd did something surprising recently. Took a trip to Chicago, had a chance to go see the Chicago Blackhawks, and decided to pass. Judd, I'm very disappointed. I had two chances. I could have gone on Thursday against the Ducks or Saturday they played the Caps. I was going to go on Saturday, and then I checked out the price of tickets, which were expensive. They weren't outrageous, but they were expensive. And then I thought to myself, the Blackhawks are awful. They're terrible. I just saw them play at the X. Um, I've seen United Center before, so I actually decided to pass. I did not subject the wife, who does not enjoy the grand sport of hockey, to uh, to a trip to the West Side to watch a team that is, if they haven't, uh, if they haven't fallen off the cliff, they have at least for this season. Yeah, no, I think that they are entirely off the cliff and out of the conversation for the playoffs and maybe for the first time in a long time won't be dealing a first-round pick for someone who's not worth a first-round pick like Antoine Vermette, for example, a couple of years ago who ended up being scratched at times in the playoffs even though they dealt a first for him, but they won the Stanley Cup, so I guess uh, they were right. Um, So uh, you passed up an opportunity not just to see the bad Blackhawks, but to see Ryan Getzlaff or Alex Ovechkin, yes, two pretty exciting players. So I'm still disappointed in you, even though I understand your decision. Uh, speaking of the Blackhawks, though, the they will actually be in sell mode as we get to the trade deadline, and that's what I want to talk about here. For the first time in a long time, they will be trying to move parts. And I'm curious, Judd, what you think the some of the biggest storylines of the uh, trade deadline are because I I put the Blackhawks not being involved in the storyline bunch because they might have to move somebody really significant. I don't think they could get anyone to take Brent Seabrook, but maybe Brandon Saad potentially that uh, them being out of it is, is really interesting to me. How about uh, Duncan Keith? Uh, Possibly. Uh, In fact, I'll look up his contract right now. I thought I was reading in, the Chicago Tribune or heard on a sports talk show there that his contract is actually not that bad Correct. at its current current status. So my guess is if you're the Blackhawks, it, you might have to uh, trade off a piece like that. And then could you get somebody, somebody to take a contract on that's significant? But as we know, the problem is this cap strap teams, right? Cause there's, there's not a ton of teams that have a ton of cap room that are actually competing for playoff spots. So, I think a team like the Blackhawks is basically has to come to the realization that years and years now of being competitive and being good and making moves that you talked about, which was trading draft picks uh, for players, 
and basically always playing for this year until now is going to bite them in the butt. And that's why my question with a team like that is, have they fallen off the cliff for um, for an extended period of time now, or do guys like um, do guys like um, Taze and Kane bounce back next year? But yeah, I, I agree. This is going to be the first time in a really really long time that the Blackhawks a aren't going to make the playoffs, and b are probably going to struggle to set themselves up to put themselves in a good position to make the playoffs next season. Well, you make a good point about them dealing away those draft picks and, and how it's harmed them now because they don't have the young players on the rookie contracts that can fill out the roster as someone like Boston does. Even though I thought the Dougie Hamilton trade was a really bad one for Boston, getting some first-round picks back to to help fill out the roster with guys coming up at 20 or 21 years old. Charlie McAvoy has turned into a tremendous player. I, I know he wasn't part of that deal, but he's a, a, a top pick of theirs who is now playing with Zdeno Chara, and he's helping Chara extend his career by quite a bit uh, by moving the puck and being an excellent young player who's eating a lot of minutes there, and that's something that Chicago really doesn't have. Duncan Keith's contract, it's, it's longer than you would want it to be, but pretty manageable if you were really going for it. I mean, it's a $5.5 million cap hit. It just takes you through 2023, but you almost have to figure that he'll either still be somewhat serviceable or retire by then, I I would guess. So that, I mean, that'll be something that I'm watching. With the Minnesota Wild, I'm looking at a hockey trade here, potentially, as we go to Monday's deadline. I love that term. Yeah, well, and everybody knows exactly what it means. You're either you're either yeah. dumping, you're selling completely, yes. or you're buying a rental, or you're making a hockey trade. And, and I don't think that the Wild are able to bring in a rental player because they don't really have the cap room to do it. And if they did, it would have to be someone that wasn't that significant of a player unless they got somebody like Arizona to bury Tyler Ennis's contract for a couple of years, something like that. So there are options that they could move some money around. But I think that for a long time, this team has needed to shake things up by trading someone who's been a part of the core that has failed them year in and year out in the playoffs if they're going to make any sort of difference. And the player that comes to mind for me first, Judd, is Charlie Coyle. What do you think of the prospects of dealing Charlie Coyle at the deadline? Um, I think it's very it's an intriguing name to bring up. And I guess here's my question. What could you get back for him and that and. Here's your problem, Collar. In the mind of everybody who runs this team, they would want something back that could contribute immediately and help them. These guys, the GM is in the last year of his contract. The head coach was brought here to win, and the guy who owns the team said just before the season started, it's Stanley Cup or bust. So your idea intrigues me. The issue, though, becomes this. I don't think they're going to make any move that they can't turn around and justify as immediate playoff help, which I which I don't like because to to me I would much I would prefer to see them make a move that hey it might help them now but also with an eye towards the future. I think everything that this team is going to do though, unfortunately, is going to be for April and May. And I got bad news: this team is going to be very fortunate to play in May. But of the, of the names that have come up, Coyle is an intriguing one. I guess I would give you the question back in this way, though. Is this a year or two too late? Do, does everybody in this league now know too much about Coyle as far as being a player who goes through long periods of not scoring goals 
And on nights that he appears to be inspired to play, he can be really good and he can score. There appear to me to be far too many nights that aren't like that. I think that Charlie Coyle is kind of a rich man's Marcus Foligno, that he is a more skilled Marcus Foligno, but has some of the same problems that because he is six foot two and he weighs 220 pounds, people expect him to just go plowing through everybody and be this power forward who's mean and nasty and gets to the net and nobody can push him out of the way. And that's just never really been Charlie Coyle's game outside of a couple of spurts here and there. If you were going to trade him either after 2016 or or last year would have been the time because he had scored 21 goals in 2015-16 and last year he set his career high with 56 points. And, And we talked about some of the... Uh, smoke and mirrors that were involved in a lot of guys setting career highs in points. And maybe Mikel Grandland and Eric Stahl were not that, and those are just products of Bruce Boudreaux maximizing skill set, but maybe Charlie Coyle was. He's got eight goals in 43 games. But could you convince another team that this is the power forward they need? And if you think about it, someone convinced the Wild that the power forward they needed was Marcus Foligno because – these GMs just love guys who are tall and weigh a lot. I mean, I saw that Vancouver is going to re-sign Eric Goodbranson, who is a bad hockey player, but he's six foot five and weighs two hundred and fifty pounds or something. I mean, he's just big and mean, and teams love that. The Buffalo Sabers traded for Zach Bogosian, even though he's just very bad at playing hockey. Yet they made the deal because they loved that he was giant. And yep. so, if you could convince one team that Coyle is still the player that they thought he was uh, coming out of the draft or in early in his career thought he, they hoped he could be, well, that's all it takes. And if you were spinning him for another player that's looked at as kind of flawed but might be more valuable, that's kind of what I would look at it. Like maybe there's an opportunity to trade for someone else's defenseman who is an offensive-minded defenseman that maybe drives you nuts sometimes. I know they already have one of those. I was going to say, you're, yeah. But the, but, the more, but the more offensive defensemen, I mean, we've been shown this, I think, especially by Pittsburgh. The offensive defensemen are worth more, even if they're flawed, sure. if, if they can actually score. And even though they'll get Brodeen back, I think that that's the weakness of this team is that they just do not have that one extra defenseman uh, that they had last year in Marco Scandella. So if hey, there's, Mark Candela, there's a blast from the past. Uh-huh. The guy. Yeah, he's never come up on this podcast. But if they could find if they could find someone like that to deal Charlie Coyle for, who's yeah. under a reasonable contract, which is a big part of it, because Coyle is only making three point two million, then I think you might be in business. Yeah, I just I here here's my thought. If I if I was uh, if I owned th- this team, I would go to Chuck Fletcher and I would say, Chuck, here's the one thing you're not doing. You're not making any. You're not making any trades uh, that are going to be short term. Like if this team can make the playoffs, okay, they make it. If they can't, okay, they don't. But the one thing that I don't want this team to do is I do not want the team to make a trade, and I'm fearful that they're going to. That's going to be for a short term burst. I mean, we've seen this team do that before, and guess what? It hasn't worked. And and I look at this team now, and they're in that. They they remain in that awful zone of they're a playoff team but they might not be but they're gonna be and so so my mandate would be if the current roster construction 
can make the playoffs fine. Um, if you if you can make a trade that's going to better this team for the now and future, as it sounds like you're talking about collar, that's fine. But what I would not allow by Monday at two o'clock central is any type of trade that's going to mortgage more draft picks or or developing players, I, because I think what we've seen is this team confuses Bruce Boudreaux. It confuses us. When we think that they might be done, they win games, but far too often they disappoint. And so I have no interest in adding to that. So my thing, and this is probably bore fans, but my thing would be I do not make any trade for a short-term birth. Okay, so how about this, though? I, what about a player who's either an upcoming restricted free agent or is under contract for at least another year? And, I, and I'm looking at the New York Rangers because the Rangers came out and said – we're going to sell everything that isn't nailed down. And they have some intriguing pieces that I think will have a lot of interest, but I also think that they would be intrigued by someone like Charlie Coyle, who's under contract and a younger player. Um, Matt Zuccarello is 30, but he's under contract for another year. That might not be exactly up their alley. But if we were thinking flawed player for flawed player, Kevin Hayes might be an option. Or even this one, Judd, if you wanted to try to really take the next step with this team, Ryan McDonough is under contract through 2019 and is maybe not the superstar that he was a few years ago, but is a top-notch defenseman. I think if you added him to this team that you would end up having one of the best defense cores in the league. That's if they were willing to move him. And like you said, what do you have to give up? Probably more than just someone like Charlie Coyle. It probably would have to involve picks or prospects. Yeah, and it, he's a – I'm looking at his contract right now. For 2018-19, he assigned through that season at a $4.7 million cap hit. Uh, so I don't know what, what that would be. That's, as as think about this, how crazy the Tyler Ennis deal is. That's only 100000 more than Tyler Ennis, his contract. I'm – Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could go back to that. <laughs> we could go back to that trade a thousand times. I still don't get that trade. I mean, I I get what they were trying to do in moving contracts, uh, but that trade astounds me. And I think Tyler scored. Did he score yes yesterday? On we're taping this on Tuesday. Did he score Monday against the Islanders? I believe. And I read, you know, Tyler Ennis just scored a goal. It's like it's about time he scored a goal. Uh, but if you could get McDonough, he's from here. He's twenty eight. Uh, if you could fit his cap hit in, I would definitely consider it. All I'm saying is I'm not making any Martin Hansel trade. So if you can get a guy who signed through next year uh, defensively who could come in and stabilize things a bit, that would be fantastic. Uh, but I got – you know what? The, the Rangers got a lot of flack for their stance, right, about we're going to sell. In some ways, personally, I loved it. I love the fact that there was a team that said, bleep it, we're looking at a bunch of veteran players – we're really not that good, and we're, we're going to trade guys. So there's a certain degree to – I get why fans of that team would be upset, but there's, there's certainly a feeling from me that if you decide you're going to bail, bail. And don't sit in this in this nether, nether world of we might be an eight seed next year too. This gets annoying. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you look at all the numbers for the Wild in terms of whether they're competitive or not – um, they are not one of the better teams when it comes to controlling the puck possession. They are, in fact, all the way at the bottom of the league. But um, sometimes the shot differentials, as we talked about throughout last year, can tell you lies depending on how a team plays. So if you are looking for the counterpunch and the, and the one big sh shot, like a cross-ice pass on the rush, 
rather than trying to establish zone possession and take a bunch of shots, you know, maybe you'll end up with a poor uh, shot differential, but your team is actually pretty talented. I think that that's what we've seen under Boudreaux. But in terms of how much they outscore other teams by, their goal differential at even strength, they're 14th in the league. How much they score per 60, they're 13th in the league. It's It's just a lot of the typical mediocrity and they don't look like they match up at all with teams like Dallas or Nashville or Winnipeg and it, it really screams you're just not going to be able to get over that hump but no even even no. if you trade for somebody no. who's halfway decent I mean there's someone like Michael Grabner for example has 25 goals and he plays a really perfect style he's like Jason Zucker plays a perfect style for how Boudreaux wants to play and that would be on my list if I'm talking about rentals then i would say yeah i mean grabner might fit this team perfectly but is that the guy that's going to make the difference between you actually being a stanley cup contender and not and the answer is probably no the rangers are the cautionary tale for the wild because they were competitive for a long time they actually got to a cup because of henrik lundquist the great call yes exactly and they had a very good roster for a long time but what did they never have? They never had the forward, the two-way center, the superstar center who could match up and, and dominate a playoff series. It was always Derek Stepan is pretty good. Derek Broussard is pretty good. But those guys could never quite get them over the hump. And you feel like the Wild have maybe this year, next year, to be that team that has a chance and can get you into the playoffs. But then after that, you're looking at something maybe similar to the Rangers if they don't have this next wave of great prospects coming through. Do you know what drives me crazy? What drives me nuts about this team is the inconsistency of this team means that, that you can't trade the guy who you would love to, to trade, Eric Stahl. Eric, yeah. Stahl. Eric Stahl has 26 goals, 27 assists, and leads you in points. Eric Stahl is 33. He would be an ideal fit, right? If you could get... If, you, if the Wild would, would have just decided their damn course and let's say they were in the 10th spot or something, it, and the inconsistency here, if they had just freaking picked a path and it wasn't a good one, you could trade Eric Stahl to a contender and you could get something back. He'd be really good on a playoff team. But instead it looks like Eric Stahl might retire as a member of this team, yeah. which is the last thing that you want. Because Eric Stahl would get you a piece that would be vital for your future. Do you know who they should really trade if they're looking to deal the flawed players who would be the most valuable? Is Jason Zucker. I knew you were going to bring him up, and that is a that's a very good one because you're talking about one of who seems to be one of the streakiest guys out there. And he has already set a career high in goals this year. And this is what teams never do. We talk about this sometimes with your value of players. When you know that someone is flawed, we talk, with Miguel Sano, we've been having this conversation with the Twins. When you know a player is flawed and is going to hurt you long-term, like Sano has with the Twins, with his weight and with whatever other off-field issue that's gone on and the injuries and just frustrations with the strikeouts, all of that stuff you could have seen coming along the way as he was coming up through the system. So when he came in and had a great start, that would have been the time to deal him. And I'll give you a baseball example here, and I'm sure there are hockey ones too, but this is the first one that's coming to mind, is when the New York Yankees traded Jesus Montero. Remember that? 
that he he was called up to the Yankees for a little yeah. while and went nuts. Seattle, right? He went nuts. He had a bunch of home runs, and they traded him that offseason to Seattle, right? Yeah. And it didn't work out really for either team, but that was an example of we know this player is flawed. He demands to be a catcher when he's not a very good catcher, so we're just going to move on from him at his hottest, even if it drives people nuts, and that would be the Jason Zucker thing. His Guess what? Shooting percentage is the second highest of his career, up over 16%. His normal shooting percentage is 13%, so he's getting a little bit more puck luck than he has before this year. He'd be insanely valuable if you put him out there. If you think about it, the only names that are really out there for big-time scorers are Rick Nash and Evander Kane, and you'd rather have Jason Zucker than any of those players if you're a competing team. He's a restricted free agent, which is very important because that means if this guy scores 30 goals, you're going to have to sign him up to a big contract to keep him around, or you're just going to have to trade him in the offseason. So why not now to someone who is really desperate? That's the way that I would look at this because you'll probably end up overpaying him if he scores 30 or 35 goals, and he won't do it again for you in the future when he's being paid much more. But Mm -hmm. it would drive fans crazy if they traded the guy who was one of their top scorers yes yeah and that that's why if if you're fletcher this deadline pretty much just stinks because what do you do i mean do you do you try and make a trade and bring in bring in a guy for a quick burst do you trade away a guy i mean it's just it's it's really really tough and it this is why I think that the the executive team uh, down to uh, Boudreaux is in a bad spot too, because they're all thinking we can win. And I got news for you: they're not they're not the predators. They're not that eighth seed. When you look at the Wild, I look at that team and I look at that roster and I look at that group of players and I say to myself, this is a team that's going to if they make the playoffs, going to lose in the first round. I'm pretty certain of that. So the issue now is and. This is why, personally, I would stand pat. I would just say, if you make it, you make it. Yeah. That's fantastic. If you don't, you don't. But I'm not going to do anything uh, that's going to be perceived as a panic move because that's going to end up costing us more. And if you go through the litany of trades that Fletcher has made in the past three or four years, they are all basically, you've looked at giving up long-term assets for a short-term fix. And in most of those cases, the short-term fix hasn't come close to working. Okay, before we wrap up, Tell yeah. me, tell me the player or team you are most interested at the very top of your list for the NHL trade deadline. Oh boy, off the cuff. Um, looking at a list of potential trades here. In fact, I'm looking at a top ten player list, guys, who might be moved uh, by two o'clock on Monday, deadline day. And I am going to go with the team. The teams. I'm going to give you one player and two teams. Okay. Okay. Rick Nash going to either the Jets or the Stars. All right. Really intrigues me uh, because I like both of those teams. And I will say this, as a guy who spent the last, I don't know, two years or so bashing uh, the Jets at every turn, basically because I think that we were both on the same um, same page saying that Paul Maurice was not that good a coach. The Jets have a very nice club now. And Rick Nash is not young. What, he's 33, I think. He's Nearing the end, but all of that being said, he would be an interesting player to add to a roster like the Winnipeg Jets. If the Jets or the Stars got him, they would immediately be the favorite 
with a slight edge over the Nashville Predators, but I still think the Predators are the favorite to get back. Uh, so sure. I'm, I'm with you there. Two names for me that don't have to move, but they certainly could, and that's Eric Carlson and Max Pacioretty. Eric Carlson, is uh, his contract is up after next year, and it does not look like he has any reason to want to stay with the Ottawa Senators. Which He's if they, playing like too. Yeah, no, he is, and, and it's unfortunate because what he did in the playoffs last year, I will never forget that. He was one of the that was one of the best playoff performances I have ever seen by any individual player last year for him to have that team in the Easter conference finals was outrageous because they were not good. And there's a team that should have started thinking long-term and realized that wasn't a result that they could repeat, but instead they didn't. And now they're scrambling and might end up having a fire sale. Carlson has been rumored to Tampa Bay Judd, which I think would be a throwback to the super teams of like the Edmonton Oilers or the Detroit Red Wings. Detroit. The Red Wings, yes. The, those teams that had six or seven star players, it would be like that to have Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman, and Eric Carlson on the same team. That would be really fun. And Pacioretty, whichever team, if they deal him, whichever team he goes to in the West, that could be a game changer. If he goes to Anaheim or St. Louis, anybody like that, then all of a sudden they become a, a favorite. And I guess I would even throw the Wild in there as a team that should be very interested in Max Pacioretty. If they're going to be a go-for-it team, then, hey, can you convince Montreal that they need Charlie Coyle in their hey. life, right? And in fact, a week ago, Saturday at the X, the Blackhawks played the Wild. And guess who was in attendance for that game? Mark Bergevin, ah. GM of the Habs. So there might be something there. But but once again, I will say this. That's the exact type of trade that if the Wild makes it, guess what they're going to have to give up? More draft picks uh-huh. and young players. So the, play, the player that I am most excited to see in, in a Wild sweater before this year is done would not come in a trade. It would be Jordan Greenway, who uh, is a BU player who's playing for Team USA in the Olympics right now. He's been good. I think he's been good. He, is, he will. I think he. the day he takes the ice for the Wild, I think he is a top six forward. And if that kid spends any time in the minors, I'll be disappointed. And if that kid d- does not bump a veteran from his job, which he immediately should, I'll be disappointed. His size and, his size and skills, to me, make him extremely intriguing. Well, the, when we talk about players like Pacioretty, I think you have to decide if you're the Wild. Are you super-duper going for it? And that goes for McDonough, too, this year and next year. Because if you are, then that's your type of player. Or are you not super-duper going for it? Then you want to sell off your Eric Stahl or sell off some other parts uh, that you know you're not going to ride into the future with rather than just hanging on to them and eventually either letting them go or having to sign them to contracts that you don't really want to sign them to. So pick a direction and go that way rather than just kind of floating around here. And I think even if they don't do anything, that's all right, and maybe we'll have to see what they do for the next offseason. But they need to find a way to remove Tyler Ennis's contract from this team. I mean, it's not just that he's not. What sucker's going to take that contract? Hey, Arizona always needs to get to the the floor. And another team that has a ton of cap space that should be interested is Vegas. Even though they are at the top of their division, 
if you look at their next three years, I think they have 10 draft picks in the first three rounds of the next three years. So, I mean, they're going to be, like, stacking up their system. What you'd have to do is you'd have to trade Ennis and, like, a third-round pick to them for nothing and just say, all right, well, you take a third-round pick for getting this guy off our roster so we can make room for someone else. If you were able to do that, then you, at least you have some space to make a signing in the offseason or to re-sign Matt Dumba to a decent contract or if you want to keep Zucker around. But that contract is, is making things kind of tricky, and it's what it's the reason Buffalo wanted him gone was because the contract was so poor, and maybe they were convinced that they could turn him around, but it's pretty clear they have not. So we they, will... And Felino to an extension, too. Well, that, yeah, and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's not a terrible, terrible extension. It's $2.8 million, but you could probably get the same sort of production out of someone you call up from Iowa. What has he got, up to six goals? I mean, you could, I mean, that's just replacement level production, and he hasn't been a physical intimidator to even bring that part of the game. So six it, goals, yes. It, it all, it all kind of takes me back there because that's the difference between last year's team being a legitimate contender, the fact that they had Scandella and Howla, two very valuable role players, to not being that this year. But maybe they, they try to change it. If I were them, Judd, I would just go for it this year, not meaning trading a first-round pick, but trying to tack on another role player or two and just see what happens because sometimes in the playoffs you never know. So, all right, Judd, well, we will look forward to the trade deadline, and if the Wild make a big deal, we will be right on it with a podcast here on Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure.